Welcome to the Simply Resilient podcast, episode number 80, the friendship episode. My name is Jesse Ellertson, and I am a certified life coach and a military wife who is in the trenches of life with each of you. This podcast is for military wives who know how to handle the challenges of deployments and frequent trainings, but want to improve the experience that they are having in the process. If you are ready to thrive while your husband is away, then you are in the right place. We're going to start out this episode with a battle buddy moment from Allison Pinto. And she says, Hi, Jesse. Just wanted to thank you again for sending me a link to your podcast. I started listening to it and I'm already hooked. It's made a big difference already. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much for sharing that review of the podcast, Allison. I really appreciate it. And everybody, keep them coming. I'd love to share your battle buddy moment on a future episode. So today we're talking about friends and friendship and how rewarding that can be and also um, complicated and, and really tricky that can be navigating those relationships. This has been on my mind a little bit recently as I've been watching my kids navigate some interesting friend dynamics and the ebb and flow of friendships. It's interesting to see them at all their different stages. So, you know, I have kids in high school, middle school, elementary school, and then not even in school yet. And that makes a big difference, the phase of life that they're in. But it's also important to remember that it's not just kids navigating friend relationships. We go through the same sort of ups and downs and uh, rewarding experiences and challenging experiences that it comes from having friends as adults, if not even more amplified at times. I think we focus on the way kids interact with their friends because friends play a really uh, kind of important and formative role in our kids' lives. But as adults, we're having a lot of important friend interactions and experiences as well. And so understanding all of this And getting a little leverage over it is so helpful no matter what phase of life that you're in. One more aspect of all of this that I want to add in right here for another reason that I'm wanting to spend some time on this in this episode today is because military life aspect just adds one more layer of challenge to friendships, whether it be for children or adults. Our friendships are so important to us. The friends we make can be very dear and they're often our main source of support. When we're in the military, most of us are moving around pretty frequently and are often far away from family and our friends can be everything at at a lot of times in our lives. And there's going to be places that you live and get assigned to where you make, you know, dear friends. And then there's going to be places that you're assigned to where you struggle to make friends and your kids are going to have, you know, similar experiences where sometimes it'll just work great. And sometimes it'll be really challenging. And then even when you feel like you get good at it and you make good friends, then you, then you move and you get to start all over again. So it's, it's just a really vital thing to understand and feel like you have some, some expertise and tips and tricks and a lot of understanding in this area because that's going to empower you to feel in control in this aspect of life that can feel very important but also often feel very out of our control. So my sister, who I just spent the week visiting, they live in Virginia and she's one of my closest friends. And so I've been thinking about her a little bit this week as I've been preparing this podcast episode, especially because I just spent the week with her. And we're, she and I are really close for a lot of reasons. We get along so well. Our personalities, while 
often quite different, complement each other. We have a lot of the same interests. We're very close in age, which at different points in our life, what actually made it challenging to get along, right? Like we, we are, I think about 20 months apart, 21 months apart, and we're just one grade apart. And so when we were younger, we would often really struggle to get along. But most of the time, that being that close in age has really brought us a lot of shared experiences and brought us really close together. And another aspect that's been so awesome and rewarding in our adult lives has been that they are also a military family. And that wasn't something either of us could have ever predicted. So a lot of you know, we joined the military after I got married and I it wasn't something that was in the plan for me when I decided to marry my husband. Uh, so that was just a fun, unknown surprise for me, which has been, again, such a great fit for our family. So hard at times, so rewarding at times, and has really just turned us into the family that we are today. And I love the family that we are today. And then my sister, her husband was already in the military when they met and dated, got engaged and got married. So that was always the part of the plan for her once she knew that that he was her guy. But we connect so much over our shared military experience because there's nothing like being around somebody who gets what you're going through, who knows what it feels like to go through what you're going through. And it has been so valuable to take my person who's, like I said, one of my closest friends and to have her and I also have that shared experience too has just been incredible. So one experience that she and I both understand is this making friends thing, particularly in military life. And when we talk about it or commiserate about it or sometimes joke about it, one joke that we kind of like to make is that making new friends is almost like dating. So obviously not in a romantic way, but you are watching people to see who might be a good fit for you, just like you would when you're dating. And then you're paying attention to if they might be interested in being your friend as well. And you're interpreting the words they say and the actions they take to see like, what did that mean? And do you think maybe they like me and they want to be my friend? You know, again, not in a romance way, but in a really similar kind of selection way. And then if you're looking at making like a couple friend, like you and your husband being friends with another like wife and husband, then you're trying to figure out, okay, could the husbands get along? Could the wives get along? Like, is this going to work? You know, just that evaluation that you do when you're seeking out new friends and going to make new friends is so funny. It's like, dating all over again. And for those of you that are married, one perk of being married is that you don't have to date anymore because dating can be hard. It's vulnerable and it can be a little bit exhausting if you feel like you don't understand what's going on or what people are doing or why it's not working or how it seems to be easy for other people, but not for you. Like dating can be challenging. And one of the huge blessings of being married is that you don't have to play any of those games anymore or wonder so much. Like you just get to really enjoy your partner and your person. Anyway, okay, so one of the very first episodes, podcast episodes that I ever listened to of Jodi Moore's podcast, Better Than Happy, was an episode about friendship. And I had honestly never really listened to a podcast episode, any kind of podcast in my life. And I had had several people over about a year's time recommend Jodi's podcast to me very specifically, uh, particularly because who she's speaking to is like, young moms wanting to love motherhood more, 
And then even particularly, she and I are members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And so she speaks to me on that level too. And I had tried listening to her very first episode, episode number one of her podcast. That was where I started one night when I finally was like, okay, you know, I've had enough people recommend this to me. I'm going to give it a try. They're saying they love it. They're saying it's helping them. I'm going to give it a try. And I I wasn't that impressed with her episode number one. (laughs) It was kind of a long episode and there were a few points that I liked and I was just kind of like, eh. So then months and months went by and I had people keep, you know, and it wasn't like an overwhelming amount of people, but just consistently about every month or so I'd have someone say, oh, have you listened to Jody Moore's podcast yet? It's so good. Have you tried it? Um, and I was like, well, yeah, you know, I listened and it was, it was okay, you know, and they're like, oh, it's helping me so much. And I thought, okay, I've got to give this another try. And this is actually what I would recommend. If you're trying out podcasts in general or a new podcast, I wouldn't always start at episode number one. There are definitely going to be podcasts that are sequential, but for the, a lot of them, you really can just start anywhere that looks appealing to you. Even if there's going to be some things they say that you don't quite understand because they are building on previous episodes, I would highly recommend that you just browse through the episode titles and pick a title that interests you like today, something you can get excited about and often start with like a shorter one because you're wanting to give your brain the best chance of like accepting this new information and wanting to come back for more. So we want to set it up for success. And I tell people to do this when they're trying out my podcast for the first time. I say, don't, don't go in order. Don't start at the beginning. You just look around and listen to an episode that sounds good to you. And in fact, ever since I did that pep talk series in February, where I did 28 mini episodes, basically, I really high, I highly recommend to people that they start there. I say, start with my mini episodes and just see what you think. And then if you love it, then branch out from there and just listen to whatever sounds good to you. And again, there's going to be things that I say that don't totally land for them if they're jumping all around. But for the most part, my episodes can be listened to in any order. Okay, so that was a little tangent. But the so the first episode that I listened to, I don't know if it was the very first, but it was just within the first couple of ones I listened to of Jody's. Once I was giving it that second chance was this friendship episode. And it just hit home. I, I, it's not even that it was that moving of information or even that I was struggling to make friends, but I just loved the way she talked about the concept. I loved the way she came at it. I loved having a few new thoughts to walk away with and be like, oh yeah, I could try that in my friendships. I could try that as I, you know, that's, that's what I love to walk away from spending a little time consuming some valuable information and just having like a couple of things that I can like today apply in my life and try out. And it seems very doable and my brain likes how it feels. My brain accepts the information. And that's something that I'm always trying to give you. And now I never know what is going to resonate with my listeners. So I like to give, you know, quite a bit of information, but really I think it's a total success and a win. If you just find one or two new thoughts, you can try thinking from, you know, each episode you listen to of mine. So when you listen, there's definitely going to be things that you're like, oh, that's not for me or things that you already like know and easily apply in your life. And most of those will just kind of fly past you, which is perfect. But I'm hopeful that every episode you listen to something, at least one or two things will strike you and say like, oh, I've never thought of it that way. What an interesting way to think about this. I'm going to try that tomorrow or the next time this thing comes up. So when I listened to Jody's episode on friendship, I was like, I haven't heard people talk about stuff like this in this way before. And it's kind of hard to articulate, but you guys, I think are with me as you, as you've experienced different, you know, self-help concepts or different mind management podcasts, mine and others, that it's kind of hard to pinpoint why it's exciting and why it was enjoyable to listen to and why it's making you feel different and better. 
but it's because your brain likes a new thought that it can get behind, right? So Jody's friendship episode is episode number 144. And I just went back and listened to it today as, again, I was preparing for this episode. And I want to highlight just sort of my own take on some of the things that she mentioned. And in that episode, she takes a look at three different friendship topics that she coaches on a lot or gets asked about a lot to just give people who are suffering in this area a little bit of relief and some new thoughts to think. So the first thing that I want to talk about is how to make more friends in a way that feels comfortable and true and authentic and safe. So many of us have friends and we understand the basic concept of what it takes to make a friend, but it can often feel scary or risky or just really unsure or also that we're almost like putting on a face in order to attract friendships. And we want to just be able to be ourselves and feel really confident being ourselves and just be able to take a look at it in this area because even the ability to make friends can just be a game changer. The ability to feel confident about what you're offering the world when it comes to seeking out new friendships can just be so helpful. So one thing that we know about relationships, any relationships, but in this episode, let's see, but for today, we're going to focus on the friendship relationship is that a friendship is made up of just whatever we decide to think about that friendship. What we're used to thinking is that, oh, it's based on what they said to me and what we do together and how often, you know, all those go in the circumstance line. But what makes up our friendship with this person is whatever we've decided to think about that friendship. And that's really important to start there because when you can come at it from that direction, then all friendships can feel very available to you instead of feeling that like, you know, scary, risky feeling that can come when you're not sure if you have to, if it all depends on, you know, if other people will accept you, then that feels very out of your control. Now, when other people accept us, that definitely makes things easier and very enjoyable, but we're so much more in control of how we feel about our friendships than we often realize. So it's important to know when you are seeking friendships that you're not for everyone and that's okay. The way I've heard this and the one way I've heard this described and I love it is that you might be the biggest, ripest, sweetest, juiciest peach and there are people out there who don't like peaches, you know. We're not for everyone and that's okay. When we need to be liked by everybody in order to believe that we're awesome, we get into trouble because we are not for everyone. Our personality our you know, preferences, our beliefs and the way our brains work and what we like to do, all of that, it just doesn't fit with everybody and that's just fine. And so when we can release that, hold on that just a little bit, that definition to say, I'm amazing and I'm not for everyone. Like I'm both of those things. I'm amazing and I'm not for everyone. So that way when you do come across people who it's just not in the cards for you guys to be great friends, you're just not super compatible. Even though you're amazing, they just don't like you and that's fine. You're a juicy peach and that person doesn't like peaches. Another important thing to understand when it comes to making new friendships is that there are different phases in our life that are more conducive to this, that allow for this. So for example... When we're in more self-focused phases of our lives, like say college, okay? In college, you're young and you're single and you have lots, you know, lots of responsibilities and things that you're doing, you're working, you're going to school, whatever it is that you're doing, but you're super focused on yourself and rightly so. That's what you're supposed to be doing at that point. And same, similarly, when you're, when you're younger, you know, you're in a family relationship, but you're also just very focused on yourself and your needs and And those are great phases of life to be 
focused on developing friendships and focused on making lots of new friends and you can be really open to seeking out those experiences and you have more time for it and it feels like a bigger priority in those moments. Whereas when you're either too young to be like independently seeking out friendships, that's, you know, a more challenging time in life or to be creating new friendships or when you're older and your focus has shifted to husband, kids, house, job, you know, the friendship aspect of your life is still so important and is still so rewarding, but you're just in a different phase of life where if you're trying to say like, I used to make friends so easily and now why is it so hard? I just want you to give yourself a little break to say like, I can still make friends right now. And in fact, I want to, and I'll greatly benefit from it, but I'm not going to compare it to the way I used to be able to make friends when I was you know, young and single and dating and just all these things that made it more conducive at that time in your life. So a couple of things to keep in mind when you are really seeking to make new friends in a way that feels very authentic to you and feels more comfortable and just more in line with who you are is that we need, number one, we need to seek out people that we have shared experiences with. Now, of course, you can be friends with people who are having completely different experiences than you. It just takes a little bit more work. And particularly if you're just getting started in this area, like if you've been in kind of a lull when it comes to making new friends, a great place to start is just seeking out people who have shared experiences with you because you can immediately build on those shared experiences. It's also really important to find people who you feel safe around to be yourself, to be authentic and all of that, or to and to be vulnerable. And when you find that safety, that when you find someone that it's easy to think thoughts like I can be real with this person, which would create the feeling of you know safety and authenticity and vulnerability, that intimacy is created. And again, we use some of these relationship words that we use in romantic relationships. We're used to hearing these words in romantic relationships like you know intimacy and things like that. But what we're talking about here is more of you know, emotional intimacy, like we're wanting to connect with people. So one of the greatest ways I have found to find this environment where you feel, you know, safe and you can nurture that emotional intimacy is to do more listening than talking. And this is one that I have to really work on because I'm a talker and I have to uh, slow myself down and listen. And that's been really good for me to work on. And there's times in my life where I do it really well. And there's people in my life I do it really well with. And there's people in my life where I walk away and I think, man, I talked the whole time. And I feel bad when that happens. And it's something that I'm working on and just gaining awareness around because listening is so valuable. One skill that I've developed as a life coach that has helped me in this area, this listening area, is learning how to ask great questions. When you figure out sort of this skill of asking questions that gets people to answer and open up and speak in a way that's just that's beyond just kind of canned answers and surface level answers. And it's not that you're going to have these conversations every time, but when these opportunities present themselves, when it feels, you know, organic and and appropriate that a deeper conversation is is ready to be had, asking great questions just really fuels an excellent conversation and an environment for lots of good listening. So that's that's another great tip. And a lot of these things are going to be things that you guys already know, but sometimes it's helpful to just slow it all down and be reminded and to just 
simplify it and clear it up a little bit. And that's what I wanted to do in that section. And okay, the next section that I want to talk about when it comes to having some new thoughts to think about navigating friendship relationships is how to take the friendship relationships that you already have and to take them to like a deeper more meaningful place. If you feel like, yeah, I've got friends, but I don't feel like I have any friends that I connect with in a deep way, or I'm just looking for maybe more meaningful relationships. And we come back to some of those words we were talking about before, back to, you know, honesty, authenticity, vulnerability. That is really what will come up when you think about having meaningful and deep friendships. And I just have a couple of tips for you in this area. So we've already talked a little bit about what it means to be your authentic version of yourself to show people who you really are and to find that safe space to be vulnerable. But another step to take to improve your friendship relationships is to see other people for who they are. This is a very cool step to take in all of your relationships with siblings, with your spouse, with your kids. When we're struggling with something or someone, we tend to think it should be different and that's how we would stop struggling. And when we do this with people, and we all do this, you guys, someone does something that drives us crazy or that disappoints us or that hurts us in some way, and we think, if they would just stop doing that, then I wouldn't have to feel this way anymore. But when you deepen the relationships with the people around you, it starts by being yourself. And then the next crucial step is by allowing, which is a funny word, but um, allowing everyone to be themselves. And obviously you can't stop people from being themselves. So when I say allowing, that's why that's kind of a funny word is because you're not giving them permission to be themselves, but you're giving yourself like the the glasses or the lenses that you need to wear to see people for who they are and appreciate people for who they are and not need them to be any different. And in fact, not only not need them to be different, but lean in and wrap your arms around exactly who they are and how they show up in the world. This is when your relationships will just get so much deeper and so much more real because you are really encouraging everyone in the equation to be honest and authentic. And it, it, it requires that you grow to show your true self to other people and then continue to grow to love and accept people for exactly as they are. Now, I always need to say this because my words can be taken either out of context or just like heard differently than I'm meaning them. But when we say, I'm just going to love someone for exactly who they are, I'm never saying, let people treat you poorly. I'm never saying, stop communicating. I'm never saying, don't have boundaries, right? Those things can be in place while still embracing people for who they are, expecting them to be the way they're going to be, and then learning to love it. So communication, requests, boundaries, all of that should still be in place. And then those things can happen simultaneously, having those things in place and also just really opening up to how exactly who and how people are and not needing them to be any different. So another way that we talk about this in the life coaching world is we talk about manuals. And I talk about manuals and what they are in episode 20 of this podcast. So go check that out if you need a refresher in that area or if you haven't listened to that one. But having a manual for someone is basically where we think we know what people should do. We think we know what's best for them. We think that there's a certain way they need to act. They need to follow our manual for them, right? Like our user manual. And then if they would just do that, then everything will be great, right? And we don't even realize we're doing this most of the time. But another way to describe a manual is basically to say like, we use a manual, we have a manual for other people and we use it to find reasons to be like unsatisfied with our life and with our relationships. 
and and then in turn punish ourselves basically that's that's kind of the cost of having manuals because we cannot control other people we cannot make them change and if we try we make both people in the equation pretty miserable so that's my main tip uh on deepening your relationships is to identify where you have a manual and throw it out while maintaining your you know love for yourself and your communication with people around you and boundaries and all those things that you need then lean into being exactly who you are and letting everyone else be who they are reminding your lower brain nothing needs to change no one needs to be different one more little tip in this area is to think about that quality over quantity concept we really don't need a lot of friends. It's actually fun to have a lot of friends and really to be able to just make friends easily and be friendly with people we come in contact with. But sometimes if we have, you know, a couple of good friends, we think, oh, I don't have very many friends. But mostly more friends wouldn't be the solution. The solution is to take the friends you have for the most part and seek to deepen the connection and the emotional intimacy and the relationship. Okay. I know I already said last thing for this section, but I want to add one more thing. I was coaching somebody a little while ago who really felt like the only way he could have a meaningful relationship with somebody is if they had deep, meaningful conversations, like every time they talked. And he didn't totally realize he had that definition for himself. But I just want to add this little note in here that we're, in my opinion, and you get to decide this for yourself. And that's what my client and ultimately ended up deciding was that that he wanted to keep that definition at least for now. But what the way he was struggling was that he had people in his life that weren't interested in having deep conversations with him, but were still really important to him and, and he was important to them. So I want you to watch for those definitions of what it means to have a deep relationship with somebody. And I want you to see if you're thinking, you know, that it has to be this certain way for it to be a deep and meaningful connection. And I also want you to think about how you can have a really important relationship with somebody and it doesn't mean you necessarily have to have deep connecting conversations. There's actually a lot of uh, purpose and reward that comes from s- certain relationships that stay at a lighter level. And, some, and that can be the area in which that relationship for you thrives. I think that it can be difficult to try to have deep, meaningful relationships and conversations with everyone who's important to us. So what I recommend to my clients is that you pick the, you know, two, three, four people who are your people that you have deep conversations with. And and those are your people. And I'm not saying you avoid it with other people, but you just kind of know that they're my, these are my people. And then you open up to the fact that you can have tons of awesome and meaningful relationships, even if some of these other ones uh, stay at a bit of a lighter level. So when I talk in this section about like how to deepen the relationships that you already have and the friendships that you already have, it doesn't mean that all of your friendships need to go deep. I just want you to start exploring which ones you want to take deeper. And then you have to see if you kind of get that reciprocation from the other person. Now, like we already said, you can feel however you want about your relationship, no matter how they reciprocate. But there's definitely just going to be certain combinations and personalities where the other person, that's not their definition. They don't, they don't, they, they may love you. You may be very important to them and they don't want to have deep, meaningful conversations with you. And that's totally fine. So when the most success is going to come from, if, if you like that definition of connecting with people on that level, you're, you're going to find a lot of success if you find someone who also wants to have that definition and you're their person and they're your person to connect with in that way. And that can just be so enjoyable and so rewarding. Okay. Third, third and final section is talking about 
what it feels like when you're not being included, when you're not being invited, when you're not, when people aren't being friendly to you, or that's what it feels like, or when people, you know, don't want to be your friend or don't take friendly action towards you. So this can feel like, you know, a small or trivial problem, and yet it creates pain for us. But the only reason it creates pain for us is because we're what we're making it mean. So to give an example, there may be you know, a small group of friends getting together. And normally you probably wouldn't even know about it, but thanks to social media, we now know about everything that goes on if people are, you know, snapping a selfie and posting a picture, right? So we're usually quite aware if mutual friends go out and we don't get invited, right? They go out to dinner or they go out to a movie or, you know, a few couples go on a triple date and you and your husband weren't invited and you're like, oh, I thought we were friends. Why aren't they inviting us? You know, there's, you can make it mean a lot of painful things like they don't like us. They don't want to invite me. They don't like my company. You know, you can make it mean a lot of painful things. And that's why this one is really worth addressing because anytime that we're making something mean something painful in a way that is going to kind of just go on and on and, and really bring on that extra suffering, we want to see if we can get some awareness around it and some relief from it so that it's it's totally still going to happen because we can't stop people from not inviting us, right? But we want to start making it mean something just a little bit different so that we don't cause ourselves so much pain. And then not only that, once we're able to get into that space of making it mean something that's not, that's or of not making it mean something painful about ourselves, then we're able to take some really productive action to try to like minimize the occurrence of it in the future. And I'm going to get into that in just a second. So the first thing I want to say when you're wanting to just really examine this issue of, you know, kind of not being included, not getting invited, is that there's a couple of layers of relief that we can get from this. And the first one is what I always encourage, which is just to start with awareness and we don't even have to change anything. So we don't even have to get you out of pain yet, right? You can still be in pain about the fact that you didn't get invited because you know that what you're thinking is it means people don't like me and that's your thought and opinion. It does not, it's not truth. It's not a fact. And you just notice it all and you say, it's not, I'm not in pain because I didn't get invited. I'm in pain because I'm thinking they don't like me or I don't have any friends. That's where the pain's coming from and that's okay. You can stay in, you can keep thinking that and stay in pain about it for now because you're going to get relief immediately just from acknowledging the thought that's creating the feeling and getting a little space for, from the circumstance. And the reason you get relief from that right away, even though you're still thinking the painful thought and still feeling the pain is because before you get the awareness, you're experiencing pain on pain, which is what I like to call it. It's like you're taking this circumstance that you don't prefer, which is my five neighbor friends went out and they didn't invite me. Like you don't prefer that. And that's the normal amount of pain. And then you're adding pain on top of it by thinking how out of your control it is and how it's the circumstance causing your feelings and how there's no other way to think about it besides this and how if only they would just invite you, then you wouldn't be in pain. All those kind of thoughts is adding the pain on top of the pain. So that's the first layer is to just eliminate that that upper pain and to say like, let's get rid of all that nonsense because none of it's true. So we, okay. And then once you're really clear on the fact that your thoughts are what are creating what you're feeling and even your lower brains on board with that concept, you have a couple of choices. You can just accept that initial relief and it can be enough. Or you can say, okay, now I'm ready to think something even different about this. I want to get rid of both layers of pain, not just that top layer. 
if you're wanting even more relief. And sometimes you're going to want to do that. And sometimes you're going to just be fine just getting that initial, initial first layer of relief. So what you're going to do if you're wanting to get rid of both layers of pain, if you're wanting to attack that second layer and start thinking about this circumstance in a new way. And the circumstance is that you didn't get invited, right? You see a picture on social media. You see that your friends went out to dinner and you didn't get a text. You didn't get a phone call. You didn't know they were going out. You weren't invited. So your circumstance is just basically those, those, that situation right there. So the first question I want you to ask yourself, if you're wanting to think about this circumstance differently is I want you to ask yourself, do I like hanging out with me? This is a question that Jody poses in her podcast episode, her friendship episode. And I think it's a really important one because that's really our primary friendship relationship is with ourself. It starts there. When we take care of the cupcake, which is what we think about ourselves, if we enjoy being with ourselves, what we decide to believe other people think about us, the, the cupcake is all created in our thoughts. And then what other people do and say, and if other people like hanging out with us, all of those things, that's all just frosting. We don't need any of that. We just enjoy it. And the only thing we need is our thoughts about ourselves, our relationship with ourselves. And we need to make sure that we're taking care of that cupcake ourselves. So you just do some exploring here to find out, like if I'm taking care of my needs in this friend department by making sure I like hanging out with me, then I approach this whole scenario in a different way because I say like, I just want to go out with these guys. I don't need more friends. I don't need to go out with these guys. I don't need to be included. I don't need to be invited. I just want to. We just take what we're looking for from other people and we take it from a need to a want. And that is a huge step in getting cleaner on that second layer of pain. And then the next thing I want you to do is just really understand why it is that you want to go and even spend some time guessing some pretty optimistic, positive reasons about probably why you weren't invited. Okay. And this is where we're going to be very curious and observational and very nice to ourselves. So the first thing we want to understand is why we want to go. And we want to go because we want to go out and experience life and enjoy it with other people and have connection and feel belonging and interact with people. Like all of that makes so much sense. It makes a lot of sense why we want to go. And we want to watch for the parts where we want to go so that we can feel lovable and feel of value and of worth and and all of those things, because that's where we get a little lost if we need friends. And if we need to be invited, it's because we're not taking care of that cupcake and we're needing that validation from other people to believe that we're, it's worth being friends with us, right? So when all we do is just want to go and not need to go, then we can just say, oh yeah, I just want to go because it would be so fun. And I really like hanging out with friends and I like trying new things and that food looks delicious. And I hope I, you know, what can I do to get invited next time? Like, I really want to go. And then you're kind of in problem solving mode and you're just coming at the whole thing from a totally different place than needing to be invited, right? So after you get some understanding around why you want to go, then spend just a little bit of time productively guessing why they might not have invited you. And let's just give them the benefit of the doubt here because it feels so good. It feels so good. Now you can, if you can, if you feel in like a nice, clean, strong, neutral space, you can say there's a chance they don't like, like maybe they didn't invite me because they don't like me. And that's totally okay. Remember going back to that thought of like, I'm not for everyone. That's totally fine. But if you're not quite in a space to really uh, continue to be kind to yourself and look at it in that way, I would just spend time thinking like they, they probably wanted to invite me, but they thought I couldn't come or was too busy or wouldn't want to go. Or they definitely would want to invite me if they knew I wanted to go. Or 
I bet I was the next person on their list they were going to call, but they just, you know, had enough people that their car was full or just something like, there's a lot of logistical reasons why people don't invite you. Like maybe it's, you know, you don't want to have 10 people at dinner. You want to only have five or six. So it's a more intimate conversation. There's just, there's lots and lots and lots of reasons why we don't get invited places that have nothing to do with if people like you and want you there. And some of the reasons are about if they like you and want you there, but so many of them aren't. And we just jump right to, they don't like me. They don't want me there. Like we're pretty quick to assume that's the reason we weren't invited. So just spend a little time exploring why they might have not invited you. Okay. My next couple of tips actually take place in the action line. And these actions are going to come very like naturally and easily once you clean up the way you're thinking, which is why we always start with the thought. But a couple of things that you can do about not getting invited is honestly just invite yourself. Now, obviously you can literally just show up, but what, what I mean by this is more of message someone and say, Hey, I see you're going to a concert next weekend. Is there any room for me? Or I see you guys went out to dinner last week. Next time you go call me, I'd love to join you, right? Like just express your interest and see what happens. There's a chance that they're going to say like, oh, it's just a small group. We, you know, we're not open to more right now and that's fine. They might shut you down and that can feel nervous, but let's be willing to do it anyway. Let's be willing to get shut down because we put ourselves out there and there's a, there's a, I think an even bigger chance that they're going to say, that'd be awesome. We'd love to have you there next time. I think for the most part, people just, you know, a couple names come to mind, they call them, they go out and maybe your name didn't come to their mind, but they'd love to have you there. You know, for the most part, I'd say that's probably what's happening. Another thing that you can do in the action line, if you don't feel like you're getting invited places, is to do the inviting, do the hosting, do the planning. You be in charge. You control who comes. That's, if you've, that's also an interesting tactic because then it can really give you an appreciation for suddenly the shoes on the other foot and you're realizing like, oh, should I call this person or not? And if I don't call them, are they going to feel not included? Like it's kind of a lot of pressure to be the planner and the inviter because you're not wanting to hurt anybody's feelings for the most part. You're wanting to get a few people there or a lot of people there and you're wanting people to have fun and you're wanting it to be successful. And there's just a lot of things to think about. And as soon as you start planning and you start inviting, I think there's a really good chance it'll give you an appreciation for how probably when someone didn't invite you, there was no ill will in that non-invite. And another thing that it does, obviously, is just puts the whole situation a little bit more in your control and it accomplishes the thing that you want, which is to have fun with friends and go out and experience the world. One just little piece of caution on this piece in the action line is that you want to watch for your brain to think, if I start inviting people places, then they'll start inviting me places. So we're not doing this with the intent of reciprocation. I mean, you're welcome to, but there's a really good chance that things still aren't going to change too much with what other people are doing. So we're focusing on what is in our control and we can't make people invite us places. So we want to clean up our, our intent and our, our purpose and our why behind starting to invite and host and plan things. Because what it's going to change is you having fun experiences with friends, not necessarily you getting invited to more places. So that's just one thing to watch for as you take that step in the action line, if that's something that's interesting to you. And my last tip for you in this section that can also go in the action line is practice assuming people like you. It's so fun. So like, for example, when you don't get invited, if you've just decided that everyone likes you and if they don't like you, then they just don't know you well enough yet or they're confused or they just haven't met you or whatever, then when you don't get invited, 
it wouldn't make any sense to say like, oh, I don't have friends. They don't like me because you already know they do. Like you, it just doesn't compute. If you start practicing that thought and belief to a place where you do believe it of like, I'm so likable. All these people like me. It's fun for people to be around me, those kinds of things. Then if you don't get invited and you go to start thinking kind of those old habitual thoughts of like, oh no, people don't like me. It won't even equate because you'll be like, well, they, of course they like me. Like that part's already a done deal. I already believe that. So what else might be the reason I didn't get invited? As soon as you eliminate the, they don't like me reason, your mind opens up in a lot more of a curiosity way to like, there's a lot of possibilities for reasons why they didn't invite me. What else might it be? Because for sure they like me. (laughs) So it's just fun to kind of get past that first one, which is where we usually stop. That's the one we're quick to think and believe. And then we just stay there. Like people don't like me. So just get hurdle right over that one to like, what else could it be? Because it's not that for sure. That's a fun one. Okay. Well, that is what I have for you guys today. I hope that this gave you some new thoughts to think around making friendships, deepening friendships, and how to handle when it doesn't go the way you would prefer when you don't get invited or or don't get included. Your mission for this episode is to examine your friendships and open up to new ways of thinking about it all. Just start to observe the different levels of friendships you have, what you think about it, when they do things, what you make it mean, and start to just clean up your thinking in little ways. Just start to take the reins and guide your brain so that you are enjoying your friendship so much more and feeling more in control without needing to change anything outside of you. And one of the most powerful things that will help you in this is that benefit of the doubt, those benefit of the doubt glasses. If you haven't listened to my benefit of the doubt episode, you need to go listen to it right now. It's so good. Okay. That is what I have for you guys today. Are you ready to take what you are learning here to the next level? Then join me for resiliency training. This is my monthly coaching program that includes a private coaching session with me each month, along with weekly content and individual email support. Start anytime for just $100 a month and continue at that rate as desired with no obligation. We can all use a little help sometimes to get through the difficulties of military life. And that's exactly the boost this program will give you. Sign up on my website, simplyresilient.net. I can't wait to work with you.